in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week I spoke about the goodness of God and the love of God coming together and being the essential center that we interpret all of reality around. The goodness of God, God is good and only does good, and the love of God, God is only loving. They come together and they form the center around everything else that exists. We interpret everything through that as Christians. And so we even interpret ourselves through that lens because it is God's love and goodness that actually answers the question of who we are essentially, who our identity is. And so Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of all reality, because he is this divine goodness and love in human life, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, gives us our identity that we receive as a gift and we begin to live out of that identity and I want to unpack what that means. The person that helps us most with this entire process of how the risen Christ and his life, his revelation of God's love and goodness and how this new identity can become ours, the person that tells us the most about this is the Apostle Paul. And he has the most incredible words in his letters that we can get a glimpse of understanding how this looks and then we can seek to enter into it ourselves. And so uh, our identity given to us by God in Christ our baptismal identity, if you will, is, is that we die to all other old identities that are either given to us or that we have believed or received from someplace else, whether it's our culture, whether it's our parents, whether it's from some cause or some political campaign, whatever our identity was before that, Christ comes and puts that all to death in baptism. And if you were baptized as a baby, well, that just happened to you uh, a long time ago, and you have to get yourself into this death. But if you were an adult, you could more easily put those things behind and move on into a new identity. Christ says that the stone which the builders rejects if it pounds down, it just fragments everything. And so there's a sense that we die in baptism and we are raised into a new relationship, a new creation in and with Christ. And that essential relationship with God that is set right by the death and resurrection of Christ, this new relationship with God is based on an identity given to us not that we earned, not that we performed for, but an identity given to us by grace that we are children of God, beloved, forgiven, accepted, and moving forward into a relationship with God and into the kingdom here and in the future. 
So this identity that we have as Christians, as new creation Christians, as born anew Christians, new covenant Christians, there's all different sorts of language for who we have become, but the old is past and the new is here, and our identity as those in Christ are people who are absolutely loved in the goodness of God, loved in the love of God, accepted in the beloved. Everything about us is new because we're in Christ, Christ is in us, and we no longer have to perform to get God to like us. We really don't have to perform to get others to like us because that's less important when you're in Christ. And there is an interchange in our hearts and minds and souls because we know who we are now. And on good days, we can function out of this newness instead of functioning out of a bunch of old thoughts about who we are, what we need to do, how we need to live life. So the goodness and the love of God forms for us the basis of our identity as people who are cleansed, forgiven, restored, renewed, born again. We are adopted as children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. So you can, I'm just, I'm just flipping out all of these images that are in the New Testament about what happened to us when we believed in Christ and were baptized. Now, living out of this new identity as beloved children, accepted, is wonderful. Because all of the old ways that really didn't work anyway, we don't have to live in those old ways. Let's talk about some of the old ways. Let's talk about the autonomous self. There is a way to live life. Many secular people live life this way. More and more people in Western culture live this way. And the idea is that their essential identity is that they are autonomous selves. And they get to choose what they want to do, when they want to do it, what they want to believe, how they want to act. And they are the final arbiter of reality in and for themselves. So they're in charge, right? They're absolutely in charge. They get to set their own standards. And life is basically building a resume where you can get ahead, where you can feel good about yourself, where you can make some money. And if you have enough gifts and talents and you work hard enough and you perform, you might be able to build a pretty good resume. And then if you've built a resume, you can look down on others who don't have a resume that is as good as yours because that's part of the game. So you perform for yourself because you're really only performing for self because that is your essential identity. And so you're trying to help yourself feel better about yourself and to feel more worthy and to have more esteem. So you work really hard. And if you're one of those gifted, bright people, you can work hard enough to develop a resume that looks good. And then you can, because of the fruits of your labor, look around and say, I've done very well. And I think really, I'm probably better than most people. But 
The autonomous self is a real dead end. Number one, most people really can't build the resume that they want. Number two, if they build up the resume, they can't sustain it because all that performance mentality, all for the self, finally bogs them down and they get tired. What if an illness happens? What if you lose the job? What if you retire? All that self-performance identity comes crashing down, doesn't it? And so there's often emptiness and selfishness. Tim Keller says that the self, this self-autonomy, this, this identity is actually empty, painful, very busy, and fragile. Because like a house of cards, it can all come tumbling down. Well, that's not a great way to function, not a great way to live. In his book, uh, Sickness Unto Death, uh, Soren Kierkegaard says that it is the normal state of the human heart, meaning the normal state of the human heart apart from God and Christ, it's the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. Tim Keller says spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and to find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. Well, that's the secular autonomous self, and it is a real dead end. Well, what about another self-identity? What about the religious person? Let's say you're someone who believes in God, who's not agnostic or atheistic about God, but believes God, believes God, God has given laws, and we really ought to try to live by those laws. We heard some of the commandments right there. And we're trying very hard to keep these laws. And we are in a performance mode of religion. And what we find is if we become a religious person, we often discover that other people think better about us because they see that we're doing many religious things. But you see, we're doing those things by trying to just continue to bolster up the religious self. We're doing those things, possibly, in the religious self of trying to get God to finally say, you know, you're okay. I'm going to approve of you. You've worked long and hard enough. And somewhere in the back of our mind, if we're playing the religious game and the, the wheel of religious performance, somewhere in the back of our mind... We're saying, you know, if I work hard enough and I do enough religious things and I try to be a good person, maybe at the end of my life, all of the good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds and God will say, come on in, come on into heaven. That is a trap and a dead end also because the truth is we can't do enough religious works we know that we fail, we continually fail, but that's not the identity that God wants for us anyway. This religious trap of performance where we try to get God's approval, 
Maybe we're trying to get our own self-approval to prove that we're really not as bad as we are or can be, or that we're trying to get the approval of others to bolster up the self. But the problem is, is the concept of that identity is uh, fragmented and not whole. It's not sound. Okay, let's talk again about the new person in Christ. The new person in Christ has a self-identity that is given to us by grace. The identity is something that we receive by grace and by faith because it's based on God's love and God's goodness and not our performance. Do you understand how crucial that is? We're no longer trying to get God's approval because it's been given to, uh, given to us in Christ. We're no longer having to hustle to make it feel better for ourselves or to get the approval of others because we already have the ultimate approval and love of, of God's goodness. Then, once we are secure in that identity, then we can begin to do the will of God. Because we're not doing it for God somehow to get us to, to love us or accept us. We're not doing it for others so they'll think good about us or doing good for others so that we can feel good about ourselves. Do you see how the concept of the self comes back into it? But if we're secure in our identity that is God-given, given to us by grace as a gift, if we're secure in that identity as a child of God, beloved and accepted, then we can begin to seek God's will because we are returning thanks to God. We are loving God back for loving us so much. We are seeking to love our neighbor just for their good and whether they like it or not or care or not or respond or not is a secondary concern. And so uh, Paul said an amazing thing in another passage in 1 Corinthians he says that he doesn't do things for other people's approval. He says, I don't care about the judgment of other people. He says, I don't even care about my own judgment. The only judgment that matters is Christ himself. And he already had Christ's verdict and judgment, his evaluation, his stamp of approval. He already knew that Christ totally accepted him. And that's why he was able to leave the resume behind that he had developed as a Pharisaic Jew. Did you pay attention to the resume of St. Paul? It's quite a resume. He says, if you want to find someone who can be confident in themselves, let's just say self instead of the flesh, because that will take us down another road. He says, I have more circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, that's the arist arist aristocratic tribe, uh, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, that means that he could speak Hebrew when most people of Jesus' times, most Jews could not speak Hebrew, they, sp they spoke Greek or some form of Aramaic. Uh, he was a Pharisee, and he was so zealous that he persecuted this new movement of fellow Jews who said somehow that Jesus was the Messiah because he was risen from the dead. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But he let go of that identity 
That resume that he had built all of his life, he let go of all of that because it was not worth what this new identity that was given as a gift to him by Christ. It's all secondary. So what I'm trying to say is, may we imagine that we are part of this new identity that we don't have to hustle in a religious way to get God to love us or care for us or accept us, but we are going to do God's will out of a grateful heart and as a way to return the love that we've received from God back to God. And what, what could we imagine if we were trying to serve one another, not to get a thank you or to get some sort of response, but simply out of love for the other. It's not about even us. It's about the other. This is, in fact, the identity that God has given us. And maybe uh, listening to St. Paul a little bit more can put us a little bit further along the path of knowing who we are as a beloved child of God, accepted, forgiven, empowered to move forward in love rather than being bogged down in the autonomous self or the religious self. Amen. Amen.